Before we begin today's show, I'd like to say a big thank you to today's sponsor, Kiehl's. As an award-winning skincare brand that was founded in 1851, Kiehl's is scientifically formulated to respect, restore, and strengthen the skin. Kiehl's and I are also on similar missions within the LGBTQ community. I love that the brand has just announced a partnership with Just Like Us, a leading LGBTQ charity that supports young people in the UK by eliminating homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic bullying in schools, which is so incredibly important. Head to keels.co.uk to find out more about this brilliant initiative, as well as their amazing products. I'm your host, Gareth Thomas, and welcome to Skin Deep. I believe tattoos for me are a real sense of identity. It's a form of expression. We all have a secret obsession with our body, whether we look at our body and we want to change it or whether we look at our body and we're really happy with what we've got. So for me, I feel that a way of looking at my body and celebrating my body and celebrating who I am is to mark it with success and also failures that have happened in my life. Because if I walk past a mirror and I catch a glimpse of a tattoo, then I catch a glimpse of a memory, whether that be a happy memory or a, or a sad memory, things that I've strived to achieve or things that I've been a failure at and I've never wanted to go back to, to their moments. So it's a, constant, it's a constant reminder of my identity. It's a constant reminder of who I am. Tattoos have been part of human culture around the globe for many, many years. In fact, scientists have long argued about whether the oldest tattoos belong to a Tyrolean Iceman called Otzi, who died around 3250 BC, or whether it belonged to an unidentified South American chinchillon mummy that has a moustache-like marking around his face. A new examination has shown that Otzi is, in fact, older than the mummy and confirms that the European specimen's tattoos are the oldest preserved examples. Cosmetic tattoos, like the moustache of the Chinchiro mummy, and therapeutic tattoos, like those of the Iceman, demonstrate our desire to adorn and heal the body through the art of tattooing. It's a fascinating and ancient part of our human past. I believe the history of tattooing is unbelievably powerful and even though my tattoos and maybe lots of other people's tattoos are relevant to the here and now and their own stories I think when you dig deeper and you understand the different cultures that celebrate tattoos actually you kind of become part of a very exclusive club and unless we prompt the conversation we're never going to know how inspirational people are or how people that we might look twice at on the street and judge in a negative way, how then people actually can be an inspiration to us by telling the stories of their tattoos. Yet, I don't think that this knowledge, this, this deep, deep conversation about tattoos has really ever been put out there. I didn't have control over my scars but I do have a control of how I wish to decorate my body. I always call my scars my jewels, the beautiful gems. 
and my tattoos are added gems that I've chosen to have on there that speak my language, that speak who I am. That was Tulsi Vajniani, our guest this week, whose many tattoos, some medical, some spiritual, and some more playful, uphold the continuous of that ancient culture. Tulsi has lived a remarkable life, having survived a tragedy at a young age. Now, I leave her to tell us the details on that. Tulsi was left with scars covering 45% of her body. Tulsi now works as a Pilates rehabilitation specialist, life coach, and a motivational speaker, along with volunteering for charities such as the Katie Piper Foundation and Changing Faces. Referring to her scars, her gems, and her tattoos, the gems that she's chosen, Tulsi's ink seems to represent a real sense of identity, spirituality, and rebellion. I absolutely loved chatting to Tulsi. She is such a beautiful person and holds a beautiful conversation. And I really, really felt that I could open up to her. And you only need to scratch the surface to realize that underneath tattooing, there's endless amounts of history. There's endless amounts of stories. It is amazing how times of tragedy can shape a person. And I am fascinated to hear about the artwork that comes off as a result. I'll now leave you guys to hear the incredible story of Tulsi. So I think you realize when you scratch the surface that there's so much more to to be heard and to be spoken about tattoos. And you only ever need to really go skin deep. Welcome to Skin Deep. Tulsi, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. You're obviously such a hugely inspirational person. And this show is all about the stories behind people's tattoos. But before we talk tattoos, I feel it's really important that we talk stories. Um, So if you would share with me and the listeners the story of what happened to you at just 10 years of age. Hi, Gareth. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, so a little bit about me. Age 10, you know, quite a boisterous, lively young girl. I was involved in a plane crash in India. I lost my mum, my dad and my brother. I sustained 45% degree burns to my face and body. What I remember about the accident is me and my brother didn't want to actually travel to Bangalore. We wanted to go Goa because obviously because of the beaches, but my parents chose to go Bangalore and not really knowing much about it. I think reluctantly me and my brother like got on the plane, not really happy. And then I remember fighting with him because he got to sit by the window. The next thing is I hear my grandmother's voice, which is a lot clearer than somebody at the other end of a phone. And she's crying, which is quite unusual, especially uh, for that generation where they never showed emotions. Uh. And she's telling me, Tulsi, don't worry, you're okay. You've been involved in a plane crash. Mom, dad and Gamlesh, which is my brother, are no more. You look different, but don't worry, you're going to be okay. Now, for me, I'm fighting with my brother Here's my grandmother telling me I look different. 
I'm just confused. But I guess in my head, I interpreted that as she's come to surprise us. So she's on the plane with us. So it doesn't actually hit me what she's actually saying. Um, at that present moment, I was in hospital and I heard a young medic's voice and he said to me, you'll see, there's been a big accident. All the doctors are at the airfield site. Don't worry, I'm going to be looking after you. Everything's going to be okay. I'm like, why would an air steward be talking to me? You know, that just sounded very surreal. But this is like obviously in and out of sedation. At this point, I can't see because my eyes are bandaged. I'm flown back to the UK where I'm now met with my other family members, the aunties, uncles and cousins. And again, I'm met with the same sort of information. You know, Dulce, you've been involved in a plane crash. Mom, Dad and Gamlesh are no more. You look different, but don't worry, everything's going to be okay. And when I had the bandages removed from my eyes, must be about four to six weeks post-accident, You know, the nurses and the doctors asked me, uh, would you like to see yourself in the mirror? I said, of course I would. Like, I was so excited. And I think they were quite alarmed because I don't think she actually realizes what's happened. You know, to me, there was nothing different. You know, they took the bandages off. My eyes were fine. The sight and everything was okay. And they held the mirror in front of me. And the person looking back, I actually thought somebody drew that face on. I thought it was some sort of sick joke or, you know, like a prank. But when the person in the mirror was blinking their eyes and moving their mouth, it soon dawned on me that actually that's me. I looked down at my left hand and there were metal rods sticking out of each finger to straighten them. My skin was red raw. So I was like, okay, something has happened. But I think either optimistically or even naively, I thought like in a year's time, there's going to be this sort of cloth, magic cloth, and this, the scars and everything's going to go away. So I just said to myself, it's okay. This is fine. I can deal with this. Mm. Because I guess, you know, being in, especially in a burns unit and hospital where, the doctors and the nurses, they see this in and out, right? Like, you know, seeing somebody with burns isn't new for them. So they do treat a person as a person. Mm. And where my family have had that much time to get used to me looking different, they also just treated me as Dulce, not Dulce, the one with burns. So I felt confident enough, but it's when I was discharged and, the reality hit where, you know, people were crossing the road in case they caught something, being called all sorts of names, uh, young children throwing things at me to see if I have some sort of emotions. I'm just basically feeling very isolated. I suppose it's such a terrible story, okay, to, to tell. And a lot of people who will listen to this might not understand that tattooing is also a way of remembering things that some people think you might not want to remember. Because I think one thing that that I found really interesting is obviously from your story, um, you lost a mother, a father, and a brother. Mm-hmm. And 
are all your tattoos about moving forward or are any of them really a remembrance back to them? Yeah, so one particular one is actually in memory of them. So I had the opportunity to have a tattoo done for a BBC documentary. And initially I wanted it for my scars, but they actually said we're not really comfortable doing it over the scar and all of this but we will still honour you with a tattoo. It's a very elegant tattoo. It's got sort of a you know, pretty mandala sort of style. It's on my left calf, and it's a tiger. Um, the eyes are blue. As you can imagine, you know, tigers have so many stripes. And for me, I've earned each of those stripes. You know, I've, I've earned them. I've worked on myself so much to create this beautiful masterpiece which is my body and my 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 mind and my soul and so that tiger is fierce but it's it's strong it's powerful and that's what I summarize my whole journey to be mm-hmm. and and the reason I associate that with my family is because my dad used to always talk to me about being very fierce and powerful like I was saying, you know, I was quite boisterous. So I loved hanging out with my dad and my granddad. I wanted to be so much like them. So my dad was like, you know, very much about be who you are. Like as much as he was fighting his cultural conditioning then, they were always teaching me and my brother to just be ourselves, which rewinding 30 odd years back, it, it's almost like, what? What are you talking about? What is this? Because yeah. cult- culturally, we we weren't ever taught that. Yeah. So yeah, that's what the significance of that tiger was. So, so uh, do you when when you do certain colours within your tattoo, is there relevance with the, with the colours? Because with my tattoos, I've only ever gone uh, black and white because to me, I feel that. That's how I kind of live my life. Things are either black or white. There's no room in between. Because I feel if there's room in between, then there's room for discussion. And I like mm-hmm. to be either I'm in or I'm out. It's this or it's that. So I've kind of done. But I have considered at certain times to have certain colors. But they have to, them colors would have to have a relevance to mm-hmm. that, the memory of that. So within the tiger one, when you said, was it blue eyes you had? Yeah, yeah. Are then blue eyes a relevance to to somebody or something? Yeah, like, I mean, to be honest, a lot of mine started off as literally just, you know, black, just outline colours. And I, I even my wardrobe was very much just black, you know, because I had no confidence. But as my confidence grew, that's when colour became a huge part of me. So I guess it was that I say for myself is when I came out, you know, everyone has different meanings of coming out. For me, that's when I came out, out of my shell. Yeah. This is who I am. And so I had color from the Krishna and the Buddha that I had done, obviously the color on my neck. But the blue eyes, I don't know. You know when you look at somebody with blue eyes, you, they're very piercing. You literally want to, you know, dive into them like an ocean. Yeah. And that's what for me is I'm deeper. There's more to me than meets the eye. And I think that's where the blue eyes come in. So did you feel that your scarring from the accident was to other people a definition of of who you were? 
Absolutely. So because I was basically judged on my scars, you know, I found getting a job was really difficult. I applied in the retail industry. It was always just no, no, no. Naively, I put it down to the fact I don't have experience, but the reality of it was was because of the way I looked. And at that time, I was going into the hotel and tourism industry. I applied for a job for front of house, and it was, Dear Miss Vagjani, unfortunately, you did not get this position. Your face does not fit this company. And at first, I just thought, okay, maybe it's just because my experience. But when I reread those words again, your face does not fit this company, it was so obvious what that was in reference to. And it just disheartened me. And every rejection from a job just made me feel worse about myself. Yeah. So do you feel do you feel we kind of live still live in a society that are very quick to judge? Yes, we are. You know, we do do it. I mean, look, our face is basically our selling point, so to speak. Uh, when you meet someone, the first thing is, do we do look at their face? You know, so there's no point denying that. But what we do have an option is actually getting to know someone before we've made that judgment, you know. Mm. And I, I campaign with an amazing charity, Changing Faces, to basically have fair representation of someone who looks like me, that we are just like everybody else. We deserve a fair chance, you know. So, yes, judgment does happen. However, I feel we are getting a little bit better with how we do handle things. We are getting better at learning that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. And we're just getting better at some sort sort of equality across the spectrum. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've got a long way to go. Yeah. But at least conversations are happening. Right. So what was your next tattoo then? And any relevance to any stories behind yeah, any Yeah, so my third one was a little Ganesh, which is the um, Hindu deity, um, the elephant deity. So it's basically the elephant ear and the tusks. It's on my wrist, on my right wrist. It's, I just still love it, you know. It's still something I used to do when I was in school, when I couldn't concentrate or if I felt scared. You know, sometimes we just doodle if we're on the phone. You know, people, some people doodle, I mean, some don't. But it, it was my way of just taking my mind off something that I might have been thinking about that could have been a lot painful or something. And it was just a cute little thing. I thought on the wrist I like that. It's simple, but... It just feels like, again, it was just a reminder for me of where I have been and where I am now at that point. Yeah. And was that, is it, is it on your wrist? Because maybe it's something that gives you comfort so you can see it whenever yes. you want. I think it for me, it was more about my inner faith because Ganesh as a deity, the symbolism is remover of obstacles and there's been so many obstacles in my path and I just feel like I've been working through so many of these hurdles. Uh, And for me, it's just that reminder of, even if I feel at times like I've failed or I'm not good enough, it's that reminder saying, no, look what you have actually been through to where you are now. Don't give up. Yeah. 
And is that is that a tattoo as well? Are you you find people can be quite inquisitive of? Because I always find that in places where see people see them the most, they find that they can feel confident in asking people what that tattoo if it means anything. Do you find you get asked the question? Yeah, I do in general. Like you know, obviously, as you know, I've got quite a few, and each one for me is a story. That it's not just a rant. Apart from my first one, which was a random design. But the rest of them all have very significant meaning. So, I mean, after my second one, I always knew that every single tattoo that I would ever get is because it's meaningful for me. Yeah. So when you said about your first, my, my first ever tattoo is the most random tattoo ever. And I was just wondering, because even though it was the most random tattoo I ever had, it actually turned into quite a special tattoo for me because... I don't know if you'll even remember, there was this cartoon character called Samadhi Sam. And I had him tattooed on the top of my leg. And it meant nothing. It was just because we were a bunch of lads who went and got a bottle of cider. We got drunk and we went all dated each other to go for a tattoo. But what became really poignant about that tattoo then is the person who drove us, Ridian, who's a really good friend of mine, um, about 10 years ago, he sadly, he sadly passed away. And then what our tattoo has now turned into is a memory of Ridian. I didn't have it as a memory of Ridian. Mm. Ridian. It's just turned into that. So it's also a way of, I think, sometimes you have tattoos Mm. and over time, the relevance of that tattoo unfolds, whether you have it for that moment or not. What was the first tattoo you decided to have? So, yeah, my first tattoo, I was 18 years old and a good friend of mine at the time, Kay, She's always been into tattoos and piercings, you know. To be honest, at that time, I didn't even think about it. So she went to get one done, and would you like to come with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I've got a rose and a dolphin leaping over the rose, and I got my name, like, just sort of written near the side of the stem of the rose. No idea why. To this day, I couldn't tell you why I got that done. So you went there just with a friend. I suppose what was, because it's a painful process going through tattoos. So was this tattoo on a part of your body that was that was scarred from the accident? No, um, this was on the back. I've got skin taken out of my back, you know, it was taken out to put over my scars. Yeah. But no, there's no scarring on my back. It was just on my regular skin. Right. So what was your next tattoo then after that? Anyone who's ever had a tattoo, you don't just get one, right? Of course. (laughs) It becomes an addiction. So thinking about my next tattoo, I'd actually gone to Dubai and I bought back a dolphin pendant, of course. And it just gave me inspiration for my next tattoo, which was um, two dolphins in the shape of a heart. And it sits on my right chest. And in the middle of it, in Gujarati, which is the language that I speak, is, again, my name. So I don't know what this obsession with my name was, right? Like, why would I want to get my name done? I just used to laugh and joke, going, in case my body part gets left somewhere, at least this way they can identify it with my (laughs) name. (laughs) Such a weird thinking. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's on my right chest, and I actually was quite proud of it. You know, I quite liked it because I 
kind of wear v-neck type of top so a little bit of it you can see do you um intentionally sometimes wear items of clothing that people can actually see this tattoo is this something that you want people to judge judge you by because i think there's a really interesting synergy between like scarring and tattoos in the fact that you know one you choose to have the other one you don't choose to have but yeah you, you wear them regardless Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting between your first one and your second one. Did you feel maybe that there was an element of control over your body and all of a sudden the control of what people can see on your body? Because I know that thought process was there with me, is that I, de- I decide what people see on my body. Yeah, there must be something on, you know, on a subconscious level for sure. I think for me it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Because that sort of time, you know, especially a lot of my friends and people that I used to sort of hang out with, they never did get a tattoo done. And if they did, it was at at the top of their arm or on their back again where no one could see it. And I was like, actually, I'm proud to have a tattoo. I like them. I mean, like them. I love them. It's a form of expression for me. And I think that's why I did get it done there. Yeah. Do you you feel there's a sense of, of I don't know, I'm sensing a slight, uh, a rebel? Yes. 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 <laughs> ah, right. Okay. So it's, again, it's a re- rebellion. That's part of who you are. Rebelling maybe against the society or uh, growing up as a child. People who were cruel is a way of rebelling back. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely feel. And I think for me, it was like, you know, you talked about the whole control thing. And it's exactly that. Like, I didn't have control over my scars but I do have a control of how I wish to decorate my body. And, you know, I wish to decorate, like I always call my scars, my jewels, you know, the beautiful gems. And my tattoos are added gems that I've chosen to have on there that speak my language, that speak who I am, you know. How do you feel when people people see you now? How do you feel you're perceived or actually does the fact that you have all these tattoos, which is, seems like it's given you this an amazing amount of self-confidence, do you actually even care? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. This is who I am. I'm living my authentic life. I live by no one's rules, perception, opinions. I mean, opinions are just opinions, you know. And everyone's perception of me is where they're at in their journey. So some are disgusted by my tattoos and everything else, and some are in admiration. But either way, I don't care. <laughs> do, you, do you feel there's a sense, because I, I, I feel this quite a lot, actually, is that people, I don't know, sometimes if they see me walking and see, see somebody in tattoos, then they'll cross the road or if you walk into a swimming pool and you're covered in tattoos, then people will get out of the swimming pool. But do you feel that if people actually knew the reason why you had these tattoos, then they wouldn't cross the road or they wouldn't get out get out of the pool? So to me, I think the, the, the meaning of this podcast is to get people to understand that tattoos are a way, as you've just said, Tulsi, of giving people a real sense of identity and a real sense of enough confidence to be able to go out and face what is already a horrible world sometimes. I mean, one thing is 
if somebody did cross the road or get out the pool, I think that's fantastic because there's more room for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, but, I love that. <laughs> but on the other side, look, you know, I get judged every day because of the way I look. You know, every day I have to check in with myself before I leave the house. What am I going to be facing today, right? When I get on the London Underground, on the train or, where, or wherever I'm going, where am I at on myself? Am I going to want to, I don't want to do it physically, but would I want to just punch somebody and say, what are you looking at? Or do I just kind of retreat in my shell? So not only am I having to deal with somebody looking at my scars and then they're making a perception about my body art, you know, that's a lot of things that they're looking at me or judging me for. Uh, But it all goes back to, if you think about, you know, I did a campaign with um, Changing Faces called I'm Not Your Villain. And that's to basically say, why do we need to use villains in a way that they have to have scars or some sort of visible difference? So you see, we've already been conditioned to believe that anyone that has a scar is someone bad. So again, someone who has tattoos has got this stigma attached where they're just a really horrible person. So, you know, we've already kind of got that in our psyche as if there's something, ooh, they've got a tattoo. Oh, my God, watch out for them. Why? I mean, there's a person behind that ink, you know. Um, And it's just that, isn't it? It's that conditioned mindset of what a tattoo is represented, right? But they don't look at it as it's an individual journey for somebody. Yeah, right. So what's the next tattoo that you that you had and why? Yeah, so the next one was a scripture. It's the Maha Mantra, which is Hare Krishna, Hare Rama Mantra. And I had that done at the nape of my neck. So just in the center. And I was in Bali this particular time that I was in Bali was kind of a very strange part of my journey because it's the first time I actually traveled that far on my own. I went to visit my family in Australia and I went to Bali like, you know, for a couple of days, obviously very different to, you know, Australia in every way. And I didn't know what to expect. I'm there on my own. And obviously Bali is a very spiritual kind of place, but I I wasn't really tapped into that. And I was like, right, well, as I'm here, I've heard like, you know, there's lots of amazing tattoo artists and I know it's quite a big cultural thing there. So I spoke to someone at my hotel, happened to know someone and I got introduced to um, Anthony who did my tattoo and it was done in like an old, imagine an old scroll that's kind of a little bit burnt and again, the significance for me is that mantra is something I grew up sort of reciting. But every time I recited it, I could feel my heartbeat slowing down. So if I had anxiety or, you know, some sort of panic attack about something going on, every time I used to recite it, it used to just bring my heartbeat down. And I just felt that sound. I wanted it quite close towards my ears. Now, um, right, nice. Now I get it. Yeah. And that's how a lot of my tattoos are placed because they have a significance of what they represent as well. So it's not just that design just goes there because there's a bit of skin there. Yeah. You know, it's, again, it's logically done for me. Whilst I had that done, I had this sort of thing about 
my ears, you know, just near my ears, I've had a tattoo of the Om. So, again, the symbolism for, for um, Hindus. But Om is the universal sound. And I had that done in dot work. And because I have this beautiful connection with Jamaica, not that I've ever been, but I love the music and I just connect with the people. He'd done the colours, like Jamaican colours. And that's done on the left ear because that's the only sound I want to hear when I wake up and when I go to sleep. Right. What's dot work? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with dot work. What's that? So just individual dot design to create this one big design. So Wow, um, right, okay. Yeah, a bit like pointinism, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, so it looks, it looks amazing. It's done really neat, simple, but so effective. And that led me on to, at the same shop, <laughs> uh, led me on to get this one big piece that's on my back. It covers literally the whole of my back. It's Krishna and Buddha. For me, that came at a time where I was transitioning in my self-love journey. So my self-love journey started about just eight, just under eight years ago. And up until that point, I pretty much call it my fake confidence. So externally, everyone's like, wow, you're so confident and full of life and life and soul of the party. But every time I came home, I'd feel really empty and I never felt good enough. You would always put in a show on for other people. Yes, completely. Mm. So when this tattoo came into my life, it's when the transition between that and into the self-love side you know, I'm very compassionate. I'm very understanding. I guess I've always had that. I hated the judgment side of things. So therefore, I really understood what it feels like to be judged, especially on a daily basis. And love and compassion is is a symbolism like Buddha is all about compassion. Um, Krishna is about um, unconditional love. So I got both of them on my back. They're walking together. And it's surrounded by peacock feathers and beautiful colors. And it's actually one of the hardest tattoos because, I mean, I've had 16, 16 hours of work done on that tattoo. That's two days sitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two days, uh. eight hours. And the last two hours, because especially where the color work was getting done, was the most intense. And I'm like, I can't do this. And Hottas, who was my artist, he's like, well, you can't leave it like this. So I was like, why not? He's <laughs> like, because that's my work. And I'm like, well, this yeah. is my body. I, I can't take this. But he's like, look how much you've been through. Two hours is nothing. Obviously, the competitive ego side in me is like, well, yeah, okay, I can do this, you know. But I sat through the last two hours in complete agony. Not only, I think, look how much you've been through for that tattoo is probably look how much you've been through to get people to, or yourself as well, to understand what that tattoo means to be able to move forward, as you say, in like a self-love, accepting, accepting way. Did that cross your brain as well? Or did you just think, you know, the pain of this tattoo and everything I've been through, I can't take anymore. Yeah. I think for me, like, I mean, what just meant in the sense, like your life, you know, look what you've been through. This is nothing. But I think for me, it was like, mate, this pain is not good. You know, I yeah. don't recall any pain like this. And he's looking at me thinking, you, your body's covered in scars and you're, you're comparing that pain to this. And I'm like, 
yeah, yeah, but I don't remember that pain because I was under sedation. So I was, I don't recall, I always call it my mass pain because, you know, it's in just one big ball mass of pain. I don't remember it. And he just looked at me, he's like, come on, we can do this. We've got another hour to go. So by the time we finished talking, you know, it was done. But yeah, yeah, it was, it's a, like, again, it's just another reminder Nothing is too big for me. Uh, this is just for me. And it's okay. You asked for this. You wanted this. You yeah. went into this voluntary, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, when you talk about pain, because I think, I don't know, I hear some people who say tattoos in certain areas don't hurt. Now, I can say I have tattoos and pretty much all over my body and everywhere hurts. Every single way it hurts for me. But I think what I'd like to ask you, Tulsi, is I've got a few scars from the rugby and I've tried my best to avoid them scars because sometimes when I touch the scar even, I have kind of this, I don't know, I have this kind of almost, it's a, it's a strange, I can't feel anything because it's numb, but also mm. I understand that there's a there's a weakness there. So I never want to go over it with a tattoo gun. And obviously, I'm sure you've had to go over scars with your with a tattoo gun like that must be painful or, or or is it the same as every other part of your body as you feel so the only one that i have over my scars is medical tattooing for my eyebrows which i had done started 2012 right and but like with a lot of things you know the scars pretty much ate up a lot of the pigments so the color didn't stay for that long. I've had to have color reboost. I have to have that yearly. Right. But that's the only tattooing that I have over scars. I have yet to meet an artist who works on scars. I would like to get some done. However, I am not sure what I would like to get done, if that makes sense. Is it because maybe them scars are a tattoo to you already? Maybe people that you... Don't ever want to forget. Yeah, I mean, like my body's covered in loads of scars from various operations. So I'm not really attached to any particular scar. There's one on my right arm, which is the one I would get covered. And I think, if anything, it's more decorative. So if you want to look at something, look at that. You know, I yeah. kind of want to highlight that scar in such a way that it makes you want to stand and stare at it, you know. But each of my scars, don't get me wrong, are definitely like a work of art. You know, I don't see anything else. It's the colours, the textures, the patterns, all different, all unique. And that's what I love about them. Do you think when you look in the mirror and look at your cosmetic tattooing, so your eyebrows, mm -hmm. do you see that as a form of art as well? Because I think cosmetic tattooing is something that gives people a huge amount of self-confidence. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it is absolutely a work of art. I mean, eyebrows are very personal. And to have a shape that just makes my face look like a face now, it's massive, you know. That's what started my confidence from the aesthetic side of things, that, yeah. wow, I've actually got a face now. Because drawing them on, you know, as, as we know, the theory is eyebrows are sisters, not twins. But even when drawing them in, and I was so so nitpicky about keeping them perfect and doing this and I'd mess them up I look like a hideous clown and that's how I used to feel and now because they're just there 
every time I look in the mirror, I see a face now. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that all of your tattoos, not just the cosmetic tattoos, mm. do you feel like the addition of tattoos into your life has played a part in creating who you are and the amazing things you do? Absolutely. I mean, I like every single one of them I do love. There came a point thinking, oh, well, doesn't really look elegant. And I'm like, but it looks elegant to me. And that's all I needed to kind of give myself that permission to go, go and decorate your body how you want. And like we talked about earlier, it's about the control. I take control of what I want on my body, what looks good for me, not what looks good for anyone else, you know. And yeah. each of them, because there, because there is a story to each of them, you know, I'm not an I'm not an artist in sense of I don't pick up a paintbrush or pen or, or you know, a guitar or any form. This is my form of creativity on my body, and this is what represents me. You know, just different. I take full control of who I am. Yeah. You know what? I sit in here. I'm sitting here in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, <laughs> and you've actually. I, I didn't need it, but I really feel fulfilled with my tattoos when I talk to somebody like you. Because there's been times on this on this journey of tattoos that that I felt like I'm the only one who tries to tell a story through tattooing. Mm. So to be able to speak to somebody who has had um, tragedy yet is now one of the you know I've done a lot of research on the on you one of the most inspirational people because they're just trying to do really really good things and I feel a real connection to you thank you I feel connected with you too I just it's so nice to have someone ask me about my tattoos rather than just my story you know yeah well and I think that's that's the thing with this is that whether you feel they are or they aren't I think tattoos are another way of telling your story but actually I feel a more interesting way about telling your story because yes because you can you can go deeper than just telling a generic story. Mm. You know, you 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 really can. Because I wanted to say to you actually, I have a tattoo on my elbow, which is the only tattoo that I have to mark a passing of somebody in my life. All the others have been failures or achievements. But one I have of passing and and I don't tell many people this, but I really feel mm. As you say, I feel this connection that I should tell you. So on my elbow, my right elbow, I have a star. When I was married to my wife, uh, Gemma, years ago, we were trying for children and Gemma kept having miscarriages. And as the male, the husband, uh, when, when a woman has miscarriages, and this is not right or it's not wrong, but a lot of focus goes to the woman, which rightly mm. so it should. But everybody kind of that never really asks the man how he feels about it. And I was really, really struggling with it. So after a few miscarriages, I decided that I would mark my body with something that would give me strength, but also keep, because I really wanted children for Mm. selfish reasons, but also very personal reasons. I wanted to keep what was happening as a memory with me. So I decided to one night go to drive to the beach and I was sitting in my car at the beach and I was looking up at the stars and I seen all these stars, and I decided to pick a star. And I thought to myself, "This is th- these miscarriages are happening because something is needed up in the sky." So 
these unborn babies, which would be my children, are going to this star and are making this star shine bright, which are giving other people some kind of hope. So I decided to take that star from the sky and put it on my elbow. And why I decided to put it on my elbow is because I always remember and I've seen as children, you are so vulnerable as a baby. And when you bathe a child, you have to take the temperature of that of the water to make sure that that child is safe in the water. And you dip your elbow in the water as a way of protecting the child. So I took the star from the sky and I put it on my elbow as a mark of protecting and keeping these, these children that I would have had with me, but understanding that they've gone to the sky to make a brighter star to give somebody else strength and happiness. And you know what? People have judged me on my star all the time and said I look like a rock star, I look like a thug, and they have no idea what that star means. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm literally smiling because I'm actually visualizing the whole process and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what I got from talking to you today, Tulsi. I really have. I've really got somebody who has, who has spoken about their tattoos in a way that I've always wanted to speak to somebody about tattoos in, oh. but nobody else has really ever wanted to open up. Or if they have had tattoos, then they've had them for a reason that's maybe a fashion purpose. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my God, I, I want to meet you now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I want day. to see this star. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, I'll get your number and I'll send you, I'll send you a picture of it. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. But thank you so much. I really thank enjoyed you. That. Thank you. I think to wrap it up, I, I would like to hear from you. I can probably imagine what you're going to say, but I think it was really interesting because <laughs> at the start, you spoke about this tragic event, this journey of being unveiled to a mirror and you not really recognizing who was in the mirror or thinking there was somebody else. What do you see now when you stand proudly naked in front of the mirror? What do you, what do you look at and what do you see? Well, first of all, if I looked at myself naked, I'd probably cringe because <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to love to tone a little bit. But no, I look at someone who's just got a, a very multicolored life, you know, has been through so much, but wears each and every scar as a decoration in, on her body. And, you know, I've taken control back of who I am, how I choose to decorate my body. So my tattoos, my ink is very personal. It's very special to me. And I've still got quite a lot of skin space left. So there'll still be more doodling going on on my skin. I've got one actually coming up in November. So I'm really excited. But oh, are, you just, to, are you allowed to give a sneak preview of what it might be? Yeah, it's the Tibetan Om. So, yeah, I've got the traditional Om on my neck. But this is the Tibetan Om. In my journey, I've obviously like very into my, you know, into my spirituality, very deep within. And the Tibetan Om is beginning of some of the mantras that I use now to help in my meditation and grounding. So it just feels like a natural progression. And my sister, uh, Carissa, who is just turned 19, me and her, you know, we've got a very close relationship. She's going to get the same one. We're getting it on our wrist. So it's like a matching thing, but it's our connection. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's why I'm getting done. So I'm getting that done in November. I'm really excited. Well, Tulsi, it's been an 
like an honor to speak to you. And I wonder if there's any way where people who are listening to this can contact you at all, because you're such an inspirational person. I almost want to keep you to myself, but that would be really, <laughs> that would be really selfish. So I'm sure you do so much and can do so much for so many people. Is there any way people can get a hold of you? Oh, Gareth, that's so sweet. Yes, I've got a website, you know, www.dulcivaggiani.com. That's T-U-L-S-I-V-A-G-J-I-A-N-I.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Divine 108 I'm on Facebook as Dulcivaggiani. If you stick it on Google, you'll definitely see me and it'll come up. But yeah, please keep in contact and I'd love to engage with my, you know, my followers. I love it. I love hearing their stories, their journeys and also inspires me as well. So yeah, thank you. I'm going to be following you on Instagram shortly. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Gareth Thomas, and this has been Skin Deep. If you like the show, then please go ahead and rate, review and subscribe It means you'll never miss an episode and will help other people find us. And finally, a closing thank you to the partners of today's episode, Kiehl's. Now, for all the bearded men out there, I'd recommend checking out their grooming solution, Nourishing Beard Oil. A lightweight beard oil that smooths facial hair and nourishes skin underneath. Their products are great, but what I love just as much is their philanthropic initiatives, including their partnership with Just Like Us. Just Like Us is a leading LGBTQ plus charity that was founded to support young people in the UK by eliminating homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic bullying in schools. Check out the brand and all the amazing things they are doing by visiting keels.co.uk.